Hello gamers and welcome to another edition of Game Warp. I'm your host as always, Edward Jones, and I'm joined by my co-host, Miss Kim Lowe. Hello. Um, first off, how have you been keeping Kim? Uh, keeping good. That's I mean, good. it's been it's been pretty busy. We did uh have our whole YouTube channel move, uh, and that took a lot of time and a lot of energy over one weekend, and things are good. Yeah, it's um, it's good now. We've obviously got our own channel. Before we were on the ThatMomentIn.com channel. And it was kind of like we had all this stuff and it was just like clustering up the floor. So uh, we've actually been given the time to just go off and build ourselves a shelf. And uh, hopefully we'll get things a little more organized now. And we're looking forward to obviously bringing more content to the channel that before we, were, we didn't obviously have the space to do. So we're going to be doing more playthroughs. We're going to be doing more streams and uh yeah we'll just uh hopefully get some more reviews out there as well so lots of exciting things to come obviously on the channel so if you haven't done already make sure you hit that subscribe button um if you've subscribed before just make sure you definitely subscribed now to the new channel and uh that way you'll never miss any of our upcoming updates um today though we are looking at our featured game for may and that is the debut release from Taziar Studios and that is the game Little Nightmares. Now Little Nightmares is another of Kim's finds. As we all know she loves to find these bizarre and random independent games and Little Nightmares uh, once again is one of those. Yeah Little Nightmares is my most anticipated game of 2017 and we will definitely um, also talk about whether it was worth the anticipation after our chat and as you always know i always bring dark puzzle like platformers and this one's 3d it has a lot of stealth and one of the main things that's really fantastic about it is um the character that they built is this tiny little girl in a yellow raincoat who's called six the plot of little nightmares for those not familiar it follows a little protagonist here six who's a little nine-year-old girl and she's trapped in this bizarre industrial landscape known as the moor and she's basically required to battle her way through it she's got no ability to fight the only ability she has is that she can run and hide and she has a little lighter that she can illuminate the gloom with but apart from that she has to basically try and avoid everything that is essentially trying to eat her and as she continues in this journey it becomes ever more strange and surreal as kim pointed out already it is one of our most anticipated games of the year and myself it was kind of a relief to find out that it didn't suck <laughs> uh which is obviously always a bit of a concern whenever we have a game that we're built up in anticipation that it may not be worth it and certainly with little nightmares this brought back memories in many ways the likes of limbo and more precisely inside uh this would certainly be a great companion piece if you enjoyed either of those games but I mean Kim just opening thoughts on Little Nightmares I mean how did you find the game itself? The game was really well paced I think that's one of the best ways to say it is that it isn't overly long um I feel like some people are going to complain about the length as in like 
it is really only about a four-hour kind of adventure. There are constant enemies, there are constant, there are puzzles, there are stealth parts, and it has a really nice mix-up because it's never really hard to solve, but it's mostly the idea that you need to be able to figure out the perfect way to pass through the level without getting caught or um, through the multiple enemies and really explore because there are a lot of collectibles as well. Um, once you end the game, you start seeing like, you start realizing these things that you're doing, like the checkpoints are, I believe the checkpoints are when you light the lamps. And usually if you find those lamps, you can light them and the checkpoints are there. And there are multiple parts. Like, I feel like the strength is really in the story and the character that they built. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, this is a story which contains no dialogue. It's a completely visual game and it really falls again into that sort of visual sort of storytelling style that we've seen with the likes of Firewatch and uh, Limbo. This is a game, while short in length, is both visually stunning and feels like it's telling a more complex and in-depth story than we would see in a game where you're looking at putting 12 plus hours into. This is a very concise tale and while it's certainly short, you don't feel by the, when the time you reach the ending that you've somehow been cheated out of any larger game experience. It feels a very satisfying and full experience. And I think it has a lot to do with the actual immersiveness of this world as you start off in the basement and you work your way up into the kitchens and the restaurants before having your final confrontation with our main villain of the piece, known only as the Lady, who's this like masked geisha-like figure um, who is seen and hinted at throughout the game and uh, it all builds up to that final confrontation between the two. Yeah, I mean, you bring a really good point because I think the atmosphere is what really pulls you in. Um, it's so dark and when you first get into it, I remember it having this feeling that I played about 45 minutes and I needed to take a break because it started to really like grab at me a little where it was just so dark and so deep and I didn't know what was going on and then there was all these 3D controls and there was um it's different from inside but then there are some scenes that really remind you and then there's kind of like this looming soundtrack in the background that subtly really creates this it's just very it's very unique I find Okay. I mean, you mentioned the soundtrack there. If you actually buy the hard copy of this game, uh, either for PlayStation or Xbox, you do actually get a copy of the soundtrack on CD. So I don't think it's like, well, I haven't actually sat down and listened to it, but just from playing the game, I can't imagine it's the sort of soundtrack that you would have on at like your dinner party or what, whatever you choose to have it. It's not like, well, those soundtracks are sort of like, jumps out at you or makes its presence known it sort of highlights certain moments and really only comes into effect towards the end of the game that we really start getting those of key tracks on the soundtrack um certainly with the the final scenes of this game the soundtrack really comes to the forefront and uh perfectly framed this fantastic ending that the game gives us how did you find the soundtrack i mean did you find it sort of a little abstract or uh, did you think it was sort of perfect for the game that was there. I thought it was perfect. Um, it was very compelling. And I, I have music background myself. So I always listen to soundtracks and I always really, really like to, these are those things that I really grab onto. And Little Nightmares was, I think that was part of the immersiveness. It was just every single sequence kind of had its own soundtrack. 
And those soundtracks would really highlight, say, um, that level and the people you were dealing with, like the villain that you were dealing with. And I think this is where I want to talk about, say, um, the, the character designs. Um, they're, you know, they're kind of gloomy, but they're also very, um, it's very messed up in its own way. What did, yeah. what did you think about monster design? Oh, I mean, when we look at the creatures, these are grotesque and gelatinous creatures. They're really sort of, you get this idea that they're sort of, been designed with uh, the idea that they're going to emphasize the worst qualities of these characters so um one of the main themes of running throughout this game is this theme of gluttony and certainly as we get towards the end and we see these grotesque like bloated creatures and they're just there shoveling food in their mouths and just sitting at these huge dining tables and they will actually eat six if you're unlucky enough which is kind of grotesque to to see the fact that see these creatures and they're scrabbling to catch her at numerous points there's several set pieces uh really sort of towards the end where you're running down hallways and you're being chased by this like wave of flesh as these characters are just trying to grab hold of you and it's so perfectly paced when we have a set sequence that it feels like you're this character running away from these creatures it doesn't feel like a level that's been designed that you're you're going to go to from point a to point b it actually feels that you are this character and you are genuinely running for your life and that you're looking for that way to escape and this is what the game provides um you can often levels will give you numerous options you can you can take you can take sort of more stealthy routes and go uh use sixes sort of size to hide under cupboards or you can uh take the more bold route and just try and tiptoe past like a character to hope they don't notice. And certainly when Six is being chased by one of these gigantic creatures, there's a heartbeat monitor that sort of pounds away in the background. And the closer that they are, the more tense the scene gets, the more it pounds away until they lose interest and it slowly dies away, which is just such a nice touch and perfectly adds to the tension that these scenes have. Yeah, I mean, the characters are fantastic in a way where first villain, like, just to say, has, like, these ridiculously long arms and they can reach anywhere. And I think that that was one of the hardest parts in the game was at the beginning when you really needed to, you know, think about these this, this thing that can hear you and you have to be... And it really emphasized that, you know, your character had to be really certain that when you were playing Six that... There was a lot of emphasis on when you snuck by and when to run and when to sprint. And it had these things that, you know, in a quiet environment, say there was a part where we would turn on a TV or something to distract them. And it was constantly a lot of things that a lot of strategies that had to be used a lot, but in different ways. And I felt that that was really creative. Oh, definitely. So there's a real eye to the environments that Six has to travel through. It, these aren't just sort of like randomly generated and generic back, sort of environments. Each location that she travels through is completely different than the next. There's no two particular locations that are the same. There's always something new to look at and something new to discover. And certainly if you're the sort of gamer who likes taking time to explore the environments, there's a number of wonderfully grotesque little 
touches. Uh, there's a room where you find that someone's hung themselves if you look upwards. Uh, there's a number of rooms which contain these little gnome creatures which Six can actually hug. Um, and then <laughs> they follow you around, which is always really nice. And just on the, we mentioned already about the lanterns. Now, one of the many objectives in the game is to find all these lanterns or find these dolls. And just the hunt for these these objects is fun in itself and it never feels like these have been objects that have been like hidden in ridiculous places that you would never think to look it's just they're there you just obviously have to put in the time to explore and the game obviously gives you the option to do that and there's numerous scenes like where we're climbing like a, a stack of plates or um like a stack of like a stack of books or a bookcase and you'll get so far up and like a book a tumble down and it they just have so much life to them in the environments. It's not that you're just climbing a static environment. At the same time, this is also where the controls also begin to let us down. As there's a number of locations where you're asked to do like a run and a run and grab, and the controls just wouldn't feel responsive in us, or that the 3D environments, you wouldn't be able to tell Six's actual position in the environment, so you find yourself constantly falling off ledges that you shouldn't need to... Uh, or shouldn't have to fall off, uh, which was a little frustrating. So, I mean, in terms of controls, Kim, I mean, how are you finding the controls? I actually felt exactly the same way. I think that that would be one of my biggest criticisms for the game, is that some of the controls felt that they lacked the responsiveness that they should have, especially that run and grab, the jump and grab thing. Yeah. Um, there were certain parts where, you know, you had to sprint through an area, like, say, that part you just mentioned about um, the diners swarming through you, and you had to jump last minute through something it was very inside-ish sort of um idea but um i think one of the main issues is that the mechanic here is a little different most times when we have these things um our character will jump or they'll grab um naturally you know it's it, it's a platformer usually they still have some sort of autonomy to them they'll do certain things themselves but this one is like you have to jump and you have to grab and you need to sprint and you need to do all these things so you're pressing three buttons with like all at the same time and it, it the stress of the situation really comes in and then sometimes you're like you just miss right past it because the 3d <laughs> aspect is different but i i mean the 3d has its um also also one of the things i think that i noticed um uh that was an issue was the fact that in the beginning part um, some of the buttons that you were supposed to press and like certain things that cued what your character could do, it cued up very slow on like your, your tips on like, oh, say this area, uh, press X to sprint. You know, it didn't show up until like, like I ran a few times around that area and then it finally was like, hey, you don't know how to do this. So I'm going to show up now and tell you how to do that, you know? Yeah. And it felt, it felt a little bit, um, like there was a bit of a delay response. Hopefully that's just like something that they're going to fix eventually, maybe in an update. It's very minor thing, obviously. It, it's a shame, really, because the game itself is very enjoyable to play. It's just when you encounter those moments where it feels like the controls are broken in a way. Um, certainly not to the point where the game is unplayable or that it makes you want to rage quit, but it's certainly frustrating enough that when you have to go for a particular tricky segment to be suddenly let down on 
the controls and certainly it's often when you have these sort of letdown moments is when you've just completed a particularly tricky section such as there's a scene where you're running across a dining room table and avoiding diners trying to grab at you and the scene is so perfectly cinematic in the fact that you have objects uh, falling off the table you have wine bottles breaking that to constantly be let down by this one jump because six won't grab the damn wall <laughs> it just really took away from what would be like another standout moment. And it it was just a little more frustrating. I mean, and I mean, it didn't help that. I think that the main thing with it is that every time they made the deaths, Six's deaths were so hard hitting. They would hit you and they would be so like graphic. And it was just like you can hear the sound design of kind of like her little body like breaking apart. And it was it was so heart wrenching to play every single time she died, and it kind of made me hate myself a little. Whenever I I felt like I let her down in a way. Yeah. And some of the main I think this leads to one of like a minor issue I had with it was that this goes back to when we light the lamps as a checkpoint. Um, in the beginning, when you light the lamps, it actually doesn't hit you back onto the checkpoint itself, and it would hit you further back. So you'd have to run past like another two rooms. And I think that that's an issue in the sense that, you know, after you've done that section like 10 times, I don't want to run past two rooms, which I don't need to do anything in. But like, you know, and there's no particular danger in the next one. It's just a puzzle area, you know. So I don't understand why like that was a lamp, but then I got reset backwards so far away. I don't know if it was if there was a purpose to it. And but it happened frequently in, say, the first two chapters. Um, whereas, like, say when you got to, like, the third and fourth and fifth, the final chapter, things, you know, when you, when you spawn, you spawn next to your lamp. And I felt like there was some inconsistency there that wasn't polished. The character's sick. She is this adorable little nine-year-old. Although looking at her, you would think that she's not of the same world as these creatures that she's running away from. Yet reading for obviously the notes that Tarzia Studios put out for the game, it's all supposed to be that uh, that her and the other children that we encounter are all part of the same world um, and that the lady and the chef and the janitor are all the same as six. They're all the same, but due to her size, you would think that, you know, she's like the gnome. She's a more fantastical element, but she's really not. Now, as we see her go through the game, she goes on this wonderful sort of journey as we see her start as one thing. So she starts off as this little girl and progressively this darkness begins to overshadow the game. I mean, Six's journey, I mean, not obviously trying to avoid spoilers here. And we will, obviously, after we give the rating, we will go a little more into the theories and the ideas of this game and do some more of the spoilers. But just Six's journey as a whole, how did you find it and the evolution of this character? I think it was fascinating because it's just so hard to imagine who she is and what is her backstory? Like, why is she here? Um, obviously, like, the first thing we're going to understand is say, well, she's captured and now she's trying to escape. But then you come to the point, then why did she have her own room? She had a bed. She wasn't in a cage. You know, she she kind of just woke up from a nightmare. And that was it, you know, she woke up from a nightmare and that's where our journey starts. And she walks through these things and she's trying to get out. But 
what is she running away from? Like, does she know what's going on? I mean, if you were captured, you might not know what's going on. So there's a lot of questions surrounding her. And plus on the fact that, you know, there are these moments where, you know, she's going to have these hunger pangs. And it's this odd moment in the game that it happens. And then you see her progress. And in that way, these things also have some sort of symbolism to them. Um, obviously, they get a little bit more like darker and darker as her character adapts to this world, this world that apparently she comes from. Like we saw with Inside, this is one of those games where, because we have no dialogue in this game whatsoever, and there is no clear story, there's no sort of narration or anything like that to tell us what's going on. It basically gives us this, gives us these ideas and says, we'll work this out yourself. Uh, now, there is a prequel comic that is going to be coming out shortly, uh, which will shed some more light on this world, whether it's going to explain what's supposed to be going on in the world. It remains to be seen. But certainly at the moment, I find ourselves in the same position we were when we were playing Inside and we were trying to figure out what does it all mean? What's the purpose of the boy? What does the blob mean? How? What does that ending mean? And with Little Nightmares, it's very much the same. We have this wonderful open ending that could obviously lead us into a sequel it could just end there that could just be the end of this story and i think it's going to be one of those things with this game that people are going to enjoy talking about they're going to certainly enjoy looking at the fairies of and trying to piece together what it all means um and i think this is something that even when you play it through again you start to notice a lot of little things that you missed the first time. There's certainly a lot of Easter eggs hidden throughout. And uh, yeah, it's so hard to try and talk about this game and not talk about spoilers. So uh, yeah, we will certainly be talking about that after we uh, get the rating, certainly. So. Yeah, I think that that's the main thing. I think one of the best parts about this game is, is, like I said in the beginning, it's paced really well. So in the beginning, everything feels really slow. It doesn't feel very... Um, it feels actually really hard and really difficult and things are, are, you know, much slower paced or stealthing around, trying to not get caught, getting a grasp of the controls and all those uh, challenges that you have. And as you progress in the, in the last few chapters, things really pick up. You're heading more into chase scenes or heading more into stealth scenes and um, your goals are so much more direct instead of being more puzzle based. And it also feels like the chapters go by much faster as you progress to the finale. The finale itself is definitely, like you said, something that we're going to have to talk about because it is something that, that is just like, that was one of the reasons why, you know, there like there are certain games that you can get a grasp of without really hitting the finale and you know it's not going to make an impact. But as this game progressed, there was something so obvious about it that there were so many things that not only inspired it, but also like... Um, how the ending would really hopefully pull everything together, which maybe it did and maybe it didn't. Yeah, it's... I think you you sort of really hit on the head there when you were saying, obviously, that it gets to a point where it suddenly starts picking up. And I think for myself, it's once you get into the kitchens. So once you... You have the first couple of levels and where you're sort of in the in the nursery and then you're being obviously chased by the janitor once we get into the kitchen the game really sort of came into its own um and i think because it's a little lighter it's a little less industrial 
once we get in the kitchens, we get a little more environment to look at. And there's certainly more fun set sequences, such as the scene where you're escaping from two chefs and you're using the overhead uh, hook system to sort of like uh, escape past them, like a little miniature James Bond. There is when you get those little those uh, set pieces, it really starts coming into its own and. With the first couple of levels, you're sort of learning how to play the game. You're learning the rules of this world. And it can seem a little bit of a downer, but it's one that you're best sort of sticking with it. If you get to the kitchen and you're still not enjoying it, then I don't think anything the game is going to give you past that point is really going to change your mind. But I would hope that by that point, you'd already be too hooked in it to uh, want to quit. And you want to see how it ends. So so one of the things I really talk, I really want to talk about is some of the inspirations. Obviously, we were talking about inside off air. We were talk, we we already had determined that you know inside is something that we can see so many parts of it in there. Like there are certain scenes that really really reminds you of inside, especially like when you're going through, um, passing through from one area to the next. You really see some set pieces which just looks so much like inside from the hue and the atmosphere and just that sort of sequence. But I think that one of the biggest things that I actually saw here was, um, I don't know if you felt it, but there was seemed to be an inspiration from like Studio uh, Ghibli. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly been a lot of mention of Studio Ghibli when we look at this film. And I think it's just the fact that it's this fantastical reference point, and certainly the fact it's got so much Japanese influence throughout it. Um, certainly the character of the lady, she's dressed as a geisha. Um, and we could obviously look at the fact that uh, she's wearing what would assume to be um, a Hanya mask um, at the same time. So there's certainly a lot of Japanese influence throughout, and I think that the idea when we look at the restaurant and it brings back so many memories of like a twisted version of spirited away perhaps yeah exactly that we kind of want to link it to a to give what ghibli have uh, obviously shown us already but i feel that it's very much in its own world and if we were looking at any sort of reference points then we'll be certainly looking at like the secret life of tom thumb um as more of a closer reference point certainly for myself um I think it has a lot to do with just the grotesqueness of these characters. These are very bloated and disgusting-looking creatures, and say when we look at the Secret Life of Tom Thumb, uh, then it matches very much that sort of bug-infested world that we saw in that film. And with Ghibli, there's always this, while you may see demons and, and monsters, there's always sort of like a human uh, sort of edge to them. And these are sort of very much the opposite ends. They're very um, exaggerated in their appearance. Uh, this is people really taken to the extreme. I mean, at one point I thought, oh, is this supposed to be like a representation of Dante's, uh, like um, Inferno and the fact that you're going through these layers and that you have to go through all the different sins. So obviously we've got gluttony, we've got envy, being sort of the, the clear ones that in representation. And certainly if we looked a little further, then we can obviously see other ones on there, such as like sloth, and that would could be obviously placed throughout. But that gluttony one, it just uh, it just runs right through this game. If it was about anything, it's about the, the dangers of being a disgusting pig. <laughs> so obviously for the sake of time, I have one more question before we hit the ratings. And I think that this will definitely affect how we rate the game. And since this is both of our most anticipated game. Would you say it was worth the anticipation? 
Oh, more than so. I feel that this is... It was a game at first I was kind of disappointed by the length when we had reports uh, coming through that, oh, it's like a it's like a two-hour, three-hour game, and you're thinking, well, I've just spent £15 on this game, and I'm only going to get, like, four hours gameplay. This feels like... It feels like Firewatch in a way that I'm just kind of somehow being cheated, but when you complete the game, it feels like such a complete experience. You don't feel that the short runtime of the game really takes away. And certainly if we added anything, any more to this game, the same with Inside, if we made Inside longer, would it add anything to that game? No, it would only take away from this world and it would stretch what's already a good idea way too thin. So I think that uh, it certainly plays with it to its strengths and it stays in this sort of constrained runtime that... Uh, that gives us all these interesting ideas and at the same time doesn't try to over explain itself. Uh, so I was, I was very satisfied with it. Yes, it has its problems, but uh, this was still, still the experience I, I wanted from this game. Certainly. And yourself. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I think that there was one moment where when I couldn't grasp the controls properly and the 3d environment was really throwing me off that, I started questioning this game a little in the beginning, but there's something so unique about it. Um, the creativity and how to use certain, uh, I guess it's just the world itself it has built is so pretty, it's so dark, it's so atmospheric, and it's so immersive. Like, I felt nervous going through certain parts when Six had to crawl through things and she had to go through these areas and she had to look for things and there were like little creepy things going on and you had to just avoid certain dangers. I really, really felt anxious with her, you know, like you see her character. She looks so animated. It's it's like that feeling you get from inside all over again. And yet somehow I I don't know what it is, but I despite the controls maybe not being as polished as inside was. I kind of like Little Nightmares a little more. Maybe it's because I really identify with, like, Six, and I really like her character design, and I really like all the other character designs as well. Um, it's definitely... I, I, I definitely say it's worth the anticipation. I, th I think that it, it did a really good job. And plus, in a year where we've been playing a lot of pretty disappointing games, it's nice to see that in... in April slash May, we're heading into some games that we're really starting to enjoy. Oh, definitely. So, so for your rating, I mean, what are you going to give this out of five? I'm going to give this four point five out of five. Okay. How about you? I think for myself, I'm mostly going to give it four point five. The point five for myself, the thing which distracts most from the game is the fact that it does at times feel like you're playing an interactive movie rather than a game with any sort of challenge to it. Yes, there are challenging jumps and, and the occasional puzzles is where things must go, but this isn't the sort of game that's going to keep you awake at night trying to figure out how you do certain sections. Everything has a very logical way to it, and it's very much, when we have puzzles, it's very much go-fetch-style puzzles rather than pulling levers and setting up a chain of events to actually complete puzzles. So certainly in the puzzles terms things, it does get let down, but certainly in the immersive environment, it's certainly got everything going for it. And certainly with the story, I've found a, a very enjoyable story here. And uh, 
a character that I would like to see go on. I would like to see more of this character. Ratings are done, and we're going to head straight into right now. If you haven't played the game, here will be theories and whatnot, and there will be more spoilers than before, so you might want to come back after you've played the game. <laughs> so, theories. What do you? What did you make of the ending, and what did you make of, you know, how did you feel about what the okay. story was really about? Well, I think, obviously, if we're looking at what the moor is, uh, this environment, we obviously start down in the nursery. And this is where we're obviously introduced to Six. And it's seem, we get the first idea of what the moor is. And basically, over the course of the game, we discover that it's this, essentially, this offshore restaurant where the rich and the gluttonous can come and sort of satisfy their their need to just constantly eat and devour everything um in particular we are shown that in the more they are basically either breeding or kidnapping children to use as a food source so while the children are initially nurtured they're given toys and a place to sleep once they get old and fat enough then they're basically put into cages and carted off to the kitchen and this is essentially where we join Six. Now, through her journey through the moor, we obviously see the ins and outs of this operation. We go into the kitchen, we see what's happening there. We see these passengers coming off the boat and obviously see them sitting at the like the dining room tables and just continuously eating. Uh, I mean, even in the kitchen scenes, we see what exactly goes into the sausage. Uh, which will be something we will discuss a bit later until we obviously battle our way up to the confrontation with the lady. This, As we mentioned already, she's this geisha-esque figure. And when we go into her bedroom in, like towards the end of the game, there are actual pictures of Six that can be seen on the floor. Uh, there's lots of broken mirrors, and we get this idea that she is somehow, the lady is somehow disgusted with her own appearance and that six is in fact her daughter who she's cast down into the basement to be served up uh served up with as the other children as a meal as a what we can only assume is really like a form of jealousy for her um something that was only sort of driven more by the fact that she's obviously wearing this mask it ties in with the hanya of uh, Japanese folklore, these women who were jealous and that they would actually, their jealousy turned them into sort of like horrific demons or these very doll-like mask-wearing women if we look at obviously Japanese uh, performance theatre. So certainly those themes seem to be like forever present throughout and for myself that seemed to be what it's about. You're basically six and you're uncovering what's going on there. Uh, to finally obviously have the show down with what, with what we can assume is Six's mother. Yeah, uh, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think that the story itself ha is pretty twofold in the sense that what, in one way we're seeing the operation on this um, boat 
kind of thing. But at the same time, we also get an idea that maybe this sort of event is is not all the time. Maybe, I, I don't know. I mean, it felt like because as the game ended, we kind of had this image that it was like, it felt like they were leaving or maybe whatever was leaving. There was like a sound of a ship or something because I don't know if you waited until the end of credits, but yeah. by the end of the credits, you had like this, she was just standing there by herself on an island, like where she got out from. And it felt like, you know, the it, it, that was definitely not the boat. I don't think that was just an island. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Or that was like the Maw Island, right? But then where did the boat that... Because I think one of the parts is that there was um, where there was a scene from one to the next where we were climbing up a boat. And this is where we started seeing the guests and we started seeing all that sort of thing. So I wonder if this is a, a long story. But I think that on one side, that's that's like the restaurant or all those things. But on the other side, there are, I think uh, one of the most fascinating things is really like as you're walking up to see the lady for the first time, as you're walking up the stairs into her quarters and stuff, there are a lot of pictures on the walls. And if you really look at those pictures, there are pictures um, of, say, there's like, um, there was one picture in particular that caught my eye, and that was um, a picture with five people in it. And it felt like one of them was the lady. And I think that might be saying that, in a way, that this kind of reinforces either that six is her daughter or six is something. But it's like one, two, three, four, five, and she's called six. <laughs> so they're related in some certain way. That's why we get that name. I, I really don't know. I find this story really weird because in the end, you know, I think that one of the main things that I tried to avoid talking about too much in our main review um, was the fact that Six progresses in, say, her hunger. So she went from, you know, eating normal, like kind of like just normal food. And then she progressed till the final part where she pretty much ate her mom. If you call her her mom, she ate the lady. Yeah. You know, so there was one moment that, you know, these scenes are just so shocking. And then you wonder, what is the nature of six? Is there some sort of cannibalism in that sort of concept? Or is it for survival? Or I don't know, you know? And there was even one part of me which was like, well, is this trying to be like, you know, because Bandai, Bandai Namco is also releasing Code Vein. <laughs> and Code Vein is about vampires. So I was like, is she a vampire or something? But then, you know, you kind of had this idea that as she bit into the um, bit into the lady, that there was like a soul release, like everything from this entire maw seemed to come to life, and it just went into the little body of six. I think in terms of six's unusual eating habits, when we initially see her, she's obviously lured into a cage because she attracted by raw meat. We obviously see her eat a rat, and as it progresses, you said she she sort of eats more and more bigger and living things her taste become more unusual the time that the one that really shocked me is that the it's about i think it's like the fourth hunger pain that mm. she has and yeah. uh, you encounter a gnome and he offers her a sausage and instead she eats the gnome yeah and part of me thought that well, she ate the gnome because she needs to eat and she knows what's in the sausage. So she isn't going to eat the sausage because sausage made of children. And her consumption of the lady would be really because it's her way of taking revenge on 
her mother that uh, she chooses to feed on her mother and the fact that she gains her mother's power because we've obviously shown throughout that final scene that her mother has obviously got all this great power and Six ultimately takes that power by consuming her mother and use it, unleashes it on the guests of the Moor. Now, you obviously said that you weren't sure, obviously, about what the Moor was. I mean, the Moor itself, while we obviously see the big lighthouse structure at the end, which is like the top, we obviously start below. And I got the idea that it was like this subterranean facility. So it's under mm. the ocean where we start, all like the basement and the kitchen. And as you go further up, you end up in the dining rooms, which are obviously in the uh, main lighthouse part. So. And I don't know if you actually uh, noticed it. Uh, when Six actually feeds in the game, you can uh, look to the side and you will see a shadowy version of Six. So like a dark Six. And this isn't like a shadow or something because it's there one minute and then it vanishes. And this only appears whenever you do a feeding scene. So if you feed on like the rat or you, you pick up the meat. Uh, as she's feeding, you can look off to the side and you can actually see a dark six. So it's a six in silhouette, uh, which I'm still not sure what that's supposed to represent, whether that's supposed to be like the dark side of six that's ever in threatening to sort of like embody her. Because as we see six goes on, go on this journey, she becomes all the more dark as it goes on. So she starts off, as I said, this is a little girl who hugs gnomes. By the end of the game, she's eaten the gnome. <laughs> so it's, it's this real evolution of darkness we see this character go on, yet we still feel very attached to this character. I think that the moment that she eats the gnome <laughs> um, brings a sort of question to us where who who is the six? And what is her journey? Like, what is, why would she eat that, obviously? Like, I think you make a fair point that she knows what's in the sausages and she doesn't want to do that. But then, at the same time, um, <clears throat> is it for survival? Or is it for, um, or is it the fact that she's adapting to the environment that she is walking through right now? Or maybe it's like you said, that I didn't notice the darker six. Um, I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to do a second run of this game for sure. Um, I want to kind of go back and unlock some more of the collectibles and whatnot. But I mean, like, when when you think about it that way, it feels like there is also one one point that she's probably adapting to her environment. And that's why she's she's becoming like, you know, she's trying to survive. But then these gnomes have been helping her the entire way. And it doesn't make sense to, that she would eat them. I think it's more just the fact that she's overcome when she has these hunger pangs. That she's she's willing to do whatever it takes to relieve them because we see that when she has hunger pangs and she can't run, she's like pretty much doubled over in in pain, and she's willing to do whatever it takes to relieve these pains. And I think certainly when we have the scene where the gnomes offering the sausage, it makes sense that she doesn't eat the sausage because of. As we said already, she knows what it contains, yet she has to eat. So the only option is to obviously eat the gnome, uh, which shocks us because, you know, these gnomes are adorable little little creatures yeah. that kind of remind us of Pyramid Head from uh, from <laughs> Silent Hill, uh -huh. uh, except really tiny. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think that's that. I, I, I honestly think that I think that one of the best things is the fact that she's so tiny going through these big environments. And it's hard to imagine that she's actually in this whole world, you know, that she's 
you know, the geisha, if it's her mom, I mean, she's like this nine-year-old girl. She's like, she's like so short compared to if that's really her mom. Like that lady is super tall, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's also the, you know, I, I think that, you know, the lady, one of the things is that the lady and, um, and the broken mirrors had a lot of story behind it too. Uh, I don't know. I feel it's a game of observation. Like you, when we do a second run, we can actually really look at the decor and, you know, especially in, in the ladies' quarters, slowly look through the pictures and really, you know, get a grasp of the things that are going on. Yeah. But there will never be, I don't think there will ever be a clear answer. Because <laughs> I think Tarsi Studios already said that they, they do want the story to remain open-ended. Yeah. And for theories and people to interpret it the way that they feel. Um, I think one of the more interesting things is that I think I just want to bring up before we wrap this up is that um, I have been watching some playthroughs after I finished and um, looking at some other theories that people were having. And um, one of the most interesting ones was uh, in the beginning sections, there was a lot of imagery that uh, I'm going to give credit to them, of course. It's a bowling otter show. There are YouTubers uh, that uh, play, are playing through this game right now. And one of the things they brought up was an imagery of um, just the shoes and the suitcases and stuff that reminded them of the Holocaust. I don't know if you had that feeling. Oh, I could certainly see that. It's certainly not what I was thinking of when I was doing this playthrough. I mean, as I said, there was so much to take in on this playthrough. I mean, we only have to, like, when we look at the kitchen, if you pay enough attention to the chefs you actually see that they appear to be wearing masks that exactly. they have they have faces underneath uh these like grotesque yeah. sort of what that's we a, seen that's their faces. exactly because you have these parts where they're kind of picking up with they're cutting the meats they're pulling pieces of the meat out and they're stuffing it under their masks and they're feeding themselves like that i think they're not like it's very obvious that those are masks and yeah. i think that that's really important because the geisha them herself has a mask, and when you even look at our first um, first villain with the long arms, the janitor, he his mask as well. His face is covered. He has no eyes. He can't see. He's blind pretty much. So, you know, all these things. There's this. There's just so much imagery to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had to. I mean, obviously, now you mentioned about the Holocaust imagery with like. The suitcases and the shoes. I mean, we assume this is to be from the children that they've kidnapped to serve up at the moor. This is their belongings. Or yeah, I would. I mean, we could obviously say, is this the guests that uh, she cons them in with? Uh, with the idea of that, you get to eat and be merry, and then she. I don't know. Does she get them fattened up and serves them to the next set of people? I don't. Don't know. I mean, who do these shoes belong to? There's certainly enough of them. There's certainly, yeah. certainly when playing the scene where we're wading for the shoes and we see the wet, the creature underneath uh, sort of coming towards you, sort of like creating that tidal pattern that brought back. It could brought back two things. Uh, first of all, the setting of the scene it reminded me of the trash compactor scene from the original Star Wars. Um, when we've obviously got the creature in there, and the other one, obviously, when we see that wave coming, it kind of reminded me of Jaws in the way, and especially in the fact that you're constantly going from suitcase to suitcase, trying to get out of the shoes as quickly as possible, um, unless you risk uh, being dragged under. But of all the things that we see throughout the game, the thing which creeped me out the most is those damn leeches. 
The <laughs> leeches creeped me out so bad. <laughs> I do have to say that I, I really do say that the, the first part of the game had... Um, it didn't have a lot of imagery, but it did have a lot of creepiness to it. It's a game that rewards another playthrough. Certainly there's enough things to find, uh, such as like the dolls and the, the lanterns that... Uh, scatter for the levels so there's always the object to find in those and even just when we obviously look at the achievements in this game and it says when you like complete the the kitchen it's like oh you've got 50 gamer points for the kitchen and then the description is like the chefs will miss you so even <laughs> in its achievements there's a real sense of playfulness to this game that yeah they're clearly trying to create this world even in its achievements it's all about keeping you within this world and putting you solely in the body of this uh, this hungry little nine-year-old. Yeah. Well, I'm de I definitely hope they either do some sort of, like, expansion of, like, DLC or something like that, because it's, it, it's, a, it's an interesting story. I mean, Six is a fantastic character. So, obviously, those are our theories and um, what we thought about the game in general. Um, so, this wraps up this episode. Thanks so much for watching. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. We'd love to hear your feedback and any recommendations that you have for us. Head over to our home base, thatmomentin.com, to read more gaming reviews. To get gaming news and releases every single day, follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at Game Warp Podcast. And you can hang out with us on our Twitch channel where we stream at Game Warp Podcast. Till next time, bye.